good again to be sharing the word with you. When, when I started pursuing this position uh, as the rector, Anne and I started looking into homes in the, in the greater Boston area. And we wanted a home where we could welcome people and practice hospitality, what we've been doing for about a decade at Libri Fellowship. But working on a, a Labrie salary is something like working on a missionary salary. So we didn't come out of Labrie with a lot in our bank account. And so we started looking at homes. We knew they were expensive in Boston, but we just didn't know how expensive. <laughs> and so when we looked at what a, a down payment on a, a very modest home would be and what was in our bank account, it didn't exactly match. And so that became a, a big concern for us as we considered this position. And, and yet, we were trusting God that if he was in fact calling us to this, he would provide as he's done for us in our lives all the way through. Well, just after I was called to the position by the rector search team and the parish council, Sarah Baker, the, our senior warden called me and said that Park Street Church was going to offer the apartment that they normally give to their pastor to us for up to a year for a very generous price so that we could over this year save for a down payment. And funny enough, of course, this is the apartment that Mark Booker and his family were supposed to go into, but they've uh, decided at least for the time being to stay in their home that they've been living in for, for almost over a decade, actually. And also actually just this past Friday, I was told that we can move into the apartment this the end of this month actually the the weekend of my installation so amazing timing for that but what a provision on many fronts and i know i was hoping to be praying with mark for our churches and for greater boston and now i can just walk down some stairs across the hall to his office at park street and we can do just that and of course a practical thing we can start saving for a down payment. We've been asking the question or questions, who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? And that's a big question. A lot we could answer that. We could take a whole year easily talking about that every Sunday. Last week, though, we the answer was more poetical. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove from the Father to the Son and to us. And this week, the answer is more economical. The Holy Spirit in this age is a down payment to us, uh, guaranteeing what's to come. In our New, New Testament reading, which is what I'm gonna be preaching from primarily today, Paul wrote to the Corinthians this, he said, God has given us the spirit as a guarantee. That was the ESV version. Then in the Greek, the word is erebon, which can also be translated as a deposit, guaranteeing what's to come or a down payment. And of course, the idea is simple enough when buying, say, a home, a percent, you, you put down a percentage of the total price in advance as a, a promise, a guarantee that the rest is gonna come. 
And when God gives us the Holy Spirit in this age, he's giving us a percentage of what's coming to us, of what's promised, of what's guaranteed to us in the age to come, in the new creation. For example, in this age, the Holy Spirit miraculously heals some people of some of their sicknesses some of the time. In the next age, he heals everyone of every sickness for all time. In this age, the Holy Spirit starts to form us in the likeness of Christ, and in the next age, he finishes what he started. And there's a, a connection between the two. Whatever healing, whatever transformation we experience from the Holy Spirit in this age is a hopeful foretaste of what's coming. It's, it's of like kind. It's what we can expect to be fully and finally coming to us in the next stage. So I have a friend who at one time his back was seriously messed up from a car accident. And it was a low point in his life, a low point in his spiritual life. He was close to walking away from the faith. And then he attended this Christian conference during which his back was miraculously healed. And he actually said he felt his back pop into place during this conference. And as you can imagine, his faith was renewed. <laughs> and then he went on to serve uh, in this Christian mission in Mozambique with Heidi Baker, something of a, a charismatic uh, Mother Teresa of our day, where he also witnessed a lot of people being healed of blindness and through that coming to faith. Well, through all this, he ended up going to do his PhD at Nottingham and, and his PhD was on the role of miracles in the early church. Uh, and if you, if you want a copy of that PhD, I can, I, can, I can lead you in that direction. But those kinds of healings, those testimonies, whether we experience them ourselves or just hear about them through a friend or reliable testimony, these are meant to fill our imagination for what's coming fully and totally in the age to come. The, the Holy Spirit's giving us a foretaste of that healing, of that resurrection life that is gonna to touch our bodies, in fact. So in, in the context of this passage, Paul highlights two things that are coming to us from the next stage we can look forward to that the Holy Spirit gives us a foretaste of even here and now. And that's our resurrected bodies, totally healed, immortal, permanent, and being with the Lord. So he starts off saying, describing our bodies as these, these temporary tents. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, that is these when these mortal bodies die, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So our bodies are now like temporary tents. Our bodies in the next stage are gonna, in the new creation, are gonna be like permanent homes, houses. And as we wait, and as especially as we get older, we groan <laughs> and we long with the spirit for what's coming. So Paul goes on to say, for in this tent, we groan, 
longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. That is without a body. It's not good for humans to be without bodies. It might be good for angels, but we're not angels. We're humans meant to have bodies. Paul goes on, for while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. That's eternal life, immortal life, resulting in eternal, immortal bodies. Resurrected bodies. Paul says something similar in his letter to the Roman church in Romans 8, 23. But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await adoption as sons, daughters, the redemption of our bodies, he ends with. You notice there, all those coming together, the spirit, adoption, which we talked about a few weeks ago, and all that connected to the redemption of our bodies. And he also says in Romans 8, all of creation is part of this groaning for resurrection reality. Like it's in childbirth and groaning with the spirit. The spirit is groaning with us and all of creation for this. Remember, God doesn't save us from our bodies or from the earth. He saves us with our bodies, with the earth, for a new earth, a new heaven and a new earth. Back to 2 Corinthians, Paul goes on. God, who has prepared, or he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. It's God's idea. Who has given us the spirit as a guarantee, a down payment, a deposit of what's coming. That's what the spirit does when he comes into our life. He's sharing with us something a foretaste of what's coming. When, when what is mortal is going to be swallowed up with life. <laughs> what a phrase. One way he does that is sometimes by healing our physical bodies. Another way he does that is, is by awakening the senses of our bodies to God, to the goodness of life, to the good news. So this is, this is wonderfully for me illustrated in an E.E. E. Cummings poem that, that I felt too, uh, I resonate with as a, as a new Christian. This really speaks to that. Hear this. I thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and a blue true dream of sky and for everything which is natural which is infinite, which is yes. I who have died am alive again today. And this is the son's birthday. And this is the birthday of life and of love and wings and of the gray, gay, great happening illimitably earth. How should tasting, touching, hearing, seeing, breathing any lifted from the know of all nothing 
human merely being, doubt, unimaginably you. Now the ears of my ears awake. Now the eyes of my eyes are opened. The Holy Spirit awakens our senses to our infinite God, to the goodness of created life, to the good news. That's, and this is all a foretaste of what's coming, of resurrected life, resurrection life. And the best part of this foretaste of what's coming is, is when he shares what it's like to be with Jesus. Soren Kierkegaard wrote, to be with you is to be healed. In the deepest, profoundest sense. Paul goes on to say, so we're always of good cheer or we're always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, that is this mortal body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body, this mortal body, and at home with the Lord. Now, some argue this is describing a, an intermediate bodiless state, what we call, N.T. Wright calls, life after death. As we wait for what N.T. Wright has called life after life after death a later time when we get our resurrected bodies. Now others argue actually that to be with the Lord here in this context, in this passage, implies actually having our resurrected bodies. Either way, to be with the Lord is always the best part. Because we, when we are with him, we are healed in the most profound sense. And to be with the Lord in our resurrected bodies is our ultimate hope. And that's gonna, because that's gonna be the permanent reality for us. And the Holy Spirit gives us a foretaste of this, the best part of which again is being with Christ. And this works with who the Holy Spirit is. He's the Holy Spirit of God. And therefore, he's the spirit of Christ, as he's called in the book of Acts. He's the, as my, uh, one of my former teachers called him, the empowering presence of God. The Holy Spirit is the empowering presence of our Heavenly Father. He's the empowering presence of our divine brother. So when we are with the Holy Spirit walking with him, being filled with him. We are with Christ spiritually through the spirit, which is a foretaste of when the same spirit is going to raise us up to be with Christ physically in new bodies in even greater intimacy. And I like that word foretaste because that takes down payment into the realm of a good meal. So if you go to a fancy restaurant, you might get an appetizer, which is a foretaste of, of what's coming. 
When Anne and I got married 18 years ago this August, for the first part of our honeymoon, we did a road trip up the East Coast. And one of our stops, in fact, was Boston. We stayed here for, I think it was a couple of nights. And while we're here, somebody who we knew from Swiss Libri, who had become a Christian there, but who was attending Harvard at the time, he set us up on this date. He said, go to this restaurant downtown. It's gonna be fully covered. The appetizer, the main dish, the dessert, the wine, the tip, everything. So he gave us directions, we got there and <clears throat> we went there and this became the best meal of our pre-married and subsequent married life, of our whole lives together. And so every meal, that became the standard for every meal after that. We would have something, an amazing meal, and we'd be like, pretty good, but not quite Boston. <laughs> or, man, that became pretty close to Boston. There was, there was a meal in France we had, pretty close. But the thing was, is we couldn't remember the name of this restaurant. <laughs> couldn't remember where it was. We remembered kind of how it looked like. And so when we moved here three and a half years ago into the area, we tried looking for this place without finding it. Well, the week before my final interview for this position, we were at Labrie again. I was talking with a student describing this restaurant and she said, I know what that is. That's Grotto on Bowdoin. And so the, the weekend of the, um, of the interview, the Church of the Cross gave us this card to go to a nice restaurant. And guess where we went? Grotto on Bodo. And we go in and we're not quite sure if this is the place we're talking with the waiter who had been there. He had been working there uh, around the time when we were there. And we weren't quite sure. And we ordered our food and the, and the appetizers came. And mine was this crispy duck with Brussels sprouts and incredible seasoning. I don't know what, but I took one bite and I was like, this is the place. <laughs> we found it. And it was truly a foretaste of what was to come. We were just overwhelmed with this meal. Every bite was overwhelming and it became the new Boston for us. And uh, that whole weekend, we were saying to God, you know, we're giving you our yes to whatever your leading is in this. And that weekend, we just felt God's yes over us, which was, of course, even greater than our own. So with the eyes of my eyes opened, I see that weekend as, especially that delicious, joyful meal with Anna as a, a foretaste of what the spirit is going to give us in the age to come. In the next age, our life with God and each other is described as this banquet. With the eyes of my eyes open, I see this 18 years of faithfulness and friendship between Anna and I as a gift from the Spirit and a, a beautiful foretaste of what's coming with Christ and his people. I see the generous provision for a home through Park Street as a foretaste of God's generous, gracious provision for our eternal home, which includes our bodies and a new creation. These are the kinds of things the Spirit shares with us. Now in this age, because he's an appetizer, we need to be careful not to expect too much. So don't expect a full meal right now. 
Don't expect everyone to be healed of everything every time. Don't expect to be just like Jesus just two minutes after you start trusting him. In this age, we're given a portion of what's to come. And on the other hand, don't expect too little. Don't expect just crumbs from God. Now, it's true, we don't deserve to eat the crumbs from under the table, like we say in our liturgy, but God doesn't just give us what we deserve. He gives us grace, abundant grace, delicious portions and appetizers that should overwhelm us, even in this age. A lot of my prayers is, yes, Lord, grant me another portion this day of the finished work of Christ. Grant me another portion of what's to come this day. So yes, if you want to please Christ, as Paul goes on to say, if you want to do well when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, get to know the Holy Spirit as a deposit, as an appetizer of what's to come, and taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for desiring to give us the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit as a down payment of what is to come. Help us to hunger for this, to thirst for this, to pray for this, and to drink and to eat of this. Hear us, Father, in Jesus. Amen.